Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Former Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake continues to take her electoral fight through the court system. The former TV anchor has filed two appeals. A watchdog group says tens of thousands of Wisconsin votes in 2020 cannot be tied to a valid address. The group says this could have changed the outcome of Wisconsin's results. More children in the hospital after consuming marijuana-laced edibles. We hear from an expert who says a fresh dose of common sense within the cannabis industry can help reverse this trend. Amid sweeping COVID-19 outbreaks in China, a phenomenon known as white lung is fueling concerns about virus mutations. And a temporary ceasefire for the war in Ukraine, President Putin has ordered Russian troops to hold fire for 36 hours to mark Orthodox Christmas. Former Arizona candidate for governor Carrie Lake filed two appeals on Wednesday. They address an election lawsuit she filed last month. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the report. Carrie Lake lost the election for Arizona governor by just half a percentage point to Katie Hobbs. I am still... But she challenged the results, arguing that printer malfunctions and other issues that occurred were intentional. Maricopa County Judge Peter Thompson ruled against Lake, stating that no clear and convincing evidence of the widespread misconduct had been presented. Lake appealed Judge Thompson's ruling. Her attorney, Brian Blem, argues that Lake was held to a higher standard of proof than required by law. Lake also filed a motion that the appeal be sent to the Arizona Supreme Court, basically asking to skip a step in the process. Lake was asked about her request to go straight to the state Supreme Court while phoning in to Real America's Voice. Well, this case is going to eventually make it to the Arizona Supreme Court no matter what. She said there was nothing to be gained by waiting. Lake also talked about her vision on how to fix the Arizona election issues going forward. The way we get it uh, uh, changed is we get a, the real governor, the duly elected governor, myself in there to work with lawmakers to change our laws, put some teeth into the laws. Arizona's Supreme Court denied Lake's request to transfer the appeal to it. The court wrote in its decision that no good cause appears to transfer the matter to this court. Meanwhile, Tom Ryan, an attorney and Lake critic who has represented candidates in election cases, doesn't see a bright future for Lake's election challenges. He says, quote, the relief they're asking for is not anything the court can grant. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. A watchdog group says over 150,000 Wisconsin votes for the 2020 presidential election cannot be tied to a valid address. The group says this could easily have changed the outcome of Wisconsin's results. A Wisconsin election integrity watchdog organization called Election Watch says they found 45,000 occurrences of people who were living out of state and another 107,000 instances of voters who moved to another address within the state and cast a ballot in a different jurisdiction from the one in which they reside. The group says that's illegal in the state of Wisconsin and also, quote, that's over 150,000 votes cast in the 2020 presidential election that cannot be tied to a valid address. Though there may be a reasonable explanation for most of these, the number of instances is so large that if only two out of 10 were nefariously cast votes, that was enough to tip the election to Biden. Jacob Aldridge, a 27-year-old former Wisconsin resident now living in Tennessee, serves as an example. He says, I was outraged to learn that the Wisconsin state voter roll shows that I voted in person at the polls on November 3rd, 2020, when the fact is I was living, registered to vote, and voted in Tennessee. I was not in Wisconsin that day. 
He says the situation makes it seem as if his vote doesn't matter and that the voting system had to be fixed. Jacob's mother, Sandy Aldridge, says she checked the voting records in her former hometown after learning that there were over 7 million registered Wisconsin voters in a state with a total population of under 6 million. She then allegedly found her son's name in the voter roll and provided the Epoch Times with a spreadsheet from the roll as it appeared in August 2021 as evidence. However, the county clerk for the county in question says there's no record of Jacob Aldridge voting in the 2020 presidential election. Election Watch says they think the voter roll has been altered and that they intend to file a formal complaint over the Aldridge incident. The Wisconsin State Elections Commission did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The U.S. House of Representatives is still at a stalemate. Operations have ground to a halt until a House speaker is elected. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy has been unable to get enough votes to secure the role after six ballots. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the standstill in Congress. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again. After the fourth, fifth, and sixth round of votes, a House speaker has yet to be elected. The House adjourned for the night with little to no progress. McCarthy actually lost one supporter, with Representative Victoria Sparts of Indiana voting present in the fourth and fifth rounds. It's the first time in 100 years that the House has failed to elect a speaker on the first vote. Democrats are using the opportunity to criticize Republicans. Words like chaos, confusion, and disarray are being thrown around. The contrast between House Democrats on the chaos and confusion taking place on the other side of the aisle could not be more clear. President Biden called the situation embarrassing. We have a Congress that can't function is just embarrassing. We're the greatest nation in the world. How can that be? Republicans, on the other hand, say nothing good comes easy. Democracy is messy, but I think that the opposite is unthinkable. The House can't kick off the new Congress or even swear in new members until a speaker is elected. They can't form committees, put forward legislation, or investigate the Biden administration until the matter is sorted out. 20 Republicans stand in the way of McCarthy's bid. We're not going to take any more of Washington being broken. We're going to do something for the American people, and we're going to fix it. And is it going to be painful? And is it going to be difficult? Yeah, it probably is. That's why it took 100 years. McCarthy had just 201 votes when the night ended. He needs 218. Republican Representative Byron Donalds of Florida was nominated three times by his conservative colleagues as an alternative. Other choices put forth are Representatives Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan. Both say they back McCarthy. Kevin told me, he said, when the, the toughest times in life are when you get knocked down. The question is, can you come back? And I've always seen him be able to do that. Democrats continue to nominate Representative Hakeem Jeffries as their choice for Speaker. Jeffries is taking over as party leader. He won the most votes overall, 212. If McCarthy can win 213 votes and persuade the remaining naysayers to vote present, he would be able to lower the threshold required under the rules to have the majority. It's a strategy former House speakers used, including outgoing Democratic Speaker Nancy Pelosi, when she confronted opposition to win the gavel with fewer than 218 votes. Former President Trump on Wednesday urged Republicans to unite and back McCarthy. He wrote on Truth Social, Do not turn a great triumph into a giant and embarrassing defeat. Voting will resume Thursday. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. NTD is live streaming the third day of the House Speaker election. You can see it now on our website, ntd.com live. 
Kentucky has joined a growing list of conservative states that have begun to boycott banks. The states contend that the banks are discriminating against the fossil fuel industry. The Kentucky state treasurer released a list of banks that are engaged in energy company boycotts. The list included Wall Street giants, BlackRock, Citibank, J.P. Morgan Chase, and others. Kentucky's steps to protect its fossil fuel industry follow similar measures by West Virginia and Texas last year. Kentucky is the seventh largest state in coal production, and over 70 percent of its electricity depends on coal-fired plants. Many of the financial institutions on Kentucky's boycott list have signed pledges to reduce carbon emissions across their lending and investment portfolios. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is asking all state universities to report their spending on critical race theory, as well as on diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. The governor's office said it sent a memo last week to the Florida Department of Education and Florida State University asking for a breakdown of spending. As part of the request, the universities must list the number of programs and positions tied to those initiatives. That, plus the total amount of money supporting those programs, and how much is paid by the state. Turning now to drugs in America, more children are ending up in the hospital due to sickness from eating treats laced with marijuana. That's according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. I wanted to learn more about what is driving this trend, so I spoke with one of the top experts in the U.S. on this issue. Joining us now to discuss is Ben Court, author of Weed Inc., The Truth About the Pot Lobby, THC, and the Commercial Marijuana Industry. Great to have you on the show today, Ben. Thanks. It's nice to be here. I appreciate you having me. The number of children under six years old who were exposed to edible cannabis products was over 14 and a half times more in 2021 than in 2017. What do you think is contributing to the rise? Well, the appeal of the edible products as well as the volume of the edible products that are being sold, what most people don't know is how specifically um, engineered these are to appeal to young people. Things like cake pops, um, fudge bars, hot chocolate, um, pot rocks, which is a popping rock candy, um, sodas. They really are very deliberately um, made to appeal to a, a younger demographic. In a well-regulated market, which few of them are, um, some of them might be stamped with a little exclamation point, um, but it's very difficult for someone of that age to to find a stamp, identify it, and say, oh, this gummy bear is for mom, this gummy bear is for me. You talk about some of these measures to kind of help people discern which one is which. What other measures can be taken? Uh, we could require that the manufacturers stop making things that look like common candies that kids eat on a regular basis. In fact, in fact, there are um, quite a few facsimiles of other candies. They're made to look exactly like a Reese's peanut butter cup or exactly like the, the pop rocks, the, the candies. Um, the first step, I think, would be able to would, would just be let's apply some common sense. And if you are making something that deliberately appeals to a child, like a gummy bear, like a soda with um, 40 milligrams of sugar in it, we should ask you to stop doing that. Ben, recreational marijuana has recently become legal in more states. What can you tell us about the risk this poses to children and young people? Well, there, there 
several of them. The biggest one from my perspective as somebody who works inside of the addiction world is the uh, possibility for addiction to the substance. And maybe some of your viewers are kind of taken aback right now and saying, well, addicted to cannabis is a very, very real thing. And the younger somebody starts, the more likely they are to develop that uh, cannabis use disorder where they are reliant on. And in the last decade, uh, that reliance has shifted from being psychological to actually physical. People are building physical dependencies uh, to THC, and we need to detox them like we do other drugs. It's, it's really crazy. And then the other uh, big issue would be the accidental exposures. Um, if you are an adult and choose to have a THC product in your home, um, you have to treat it with caution. You can't leave these things lying around because a curious kid is going to pick it up, consume it themselves, maybe even take it into school and share it with everybody else, like what just happened in California two weeks ago. You talk about the dependencies here. Proponents of recreational marijuana say the drug helps with stress relief, relaxation, and relief from symptoms. In your view, do these perceived benefits outweigh the risks these drugs pose to children when stored in people's homes? Well, I think it's also a fairly stressful thing to have your two-year-old checked into the hospital and put on an incubator. Um, I think that we have to consider the other side of this. An adult can choose. A young person really doesn't have that same ability, so we've got to protect them. And we're doing a very poor job of, of that. Yes, all members of the family need to be taken out. Ben Court, author of Weed Inc., The Truth About the Pot Lobby, THC, and the Commercial Marijuana Industry, thank you so much for your analysis today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. The Buffalo Bills announced this morning that safety DeMar Hamlin has shown remarkable improvement in the last 24 hours. Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest during Monday's game against the Bengals. The team says he remains critically ill, but his lungs continue to heal, and it looks like he doesn't have brain damage. Coming up, Southwest Airlines customers are still waiting for the company to rectify its holiday travel debacle that left them frustrated over the holidays. And extreme weather conditions hit California, bringing heavy rains and strong winds. Northern California faces the threat of power outages and deadly flooding. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Southwest Airlines is starting the year with a list of lingering issues. The airline is now offering new amends to the tens of thousands of people impacted by last week's travel disruptions as it admits it's going to take longer to reunite owners with their lost luggage. New year, same issues. Southwest Airlines is dealing with several lingering concerns following the holiday travel meltdown that left thousands of people and their luggage stranded all over the country. You want to be angry? but you know there's nothing you can do and you're at their mercy. Toya Martin says she's still waiting for Southwest to return all her items. As the airline said in an internal memo, many bags are still in limbo and will require several more days to reunite passengers with their lost items. Southwest is aiming to make amends for last week's cancellations that disrupted countless holiday plans. The airline now offering 25,000 frequent flyer bonus points worth about $300 in addition to reimbursements and refunds. I think we're going to end up fixing this uh, going forward. 
The offer and the luggage update come as the airline faces a growing list of serious matters to tackle in 2023, including multiple investigations, heightened scrutiny from investors, and at least one lawsuit over its cancellation of nearly 16,000 flights at a peak holiday travel time. That travel chaos has some loyal customers questioning their trust in the airline. I don't think I will ever use Southwest, and I love Southwest. I, I love Southwest, but this has been a nightmare. And while Southwest appears to have recovered from those massive disruptions, some of its workers say the airlines should focus on repairing the back-end infrastructure that contributed to the problems in the first place. Definitely going to be pressing the company very hard and making uh, sure things get fixed. U.S. Senate Commerce Committee Chair Maria Cantwell on Wednesday said the panel intended to hold hearings after Southwest Airlines' recent meltdown. In July 2021, the Department of Transportation proposed new rules to require passenger airlines to refund fees for bags that are significantly delayed and for services like onboard Wi-Fi that do not work. On Wednesday, the department said it would combine the delayed baggage proposal with another proposal released in August. That one would require airlines to provide non-expiring vouchers when passengers are unable to fly for certain pandemic-related reasons. It expects to issue the final rule by November 2023. In California, high winds and heavy rains are sweeping through the state. According to ABC and CBS News, the storm has killed at least two people, including an infant. An atmospheric river is expected to drench much of California through Thursday. This is an airborne current of dense moisture flowing from the Pacific Ocean. Mandatory evacuations were ordered in Santa Cruz County on California's central coast. The National Weather Service predicted widespread rainfall totals of three to six inches with up to six feet of fresh snow in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Authorities also warned the heavy downpours would likely unleash flash flooding and mudslides. The roof of a gas station in Daly City collapsed on Wednesday. In response to the storms, California Governor Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency across the state on Wednesday. Recent flash flooding in Georgia has damaged roads in the Athens-Clark County area. A sinkhole opened up and swallowed a car on one road. Police say no one was injured after this white sedan fell into the fissure. Local news reported the area received as much as four and a half inches of rain overnight Tuesday. Police say the driver safely got out of the car and it fell into the sinkhole later. At least two roads in the area were closed for major repairs. U.S. prosecutors say they're in the process of seizing shares of financial firm Robinhood Markets. They're tied to Sam Bankman-Fried, the former cryptocurrency CEO who faces fraud charges. The 56 million shares of Robinhood are worth about $465 million. Several parties have laid claim to the stock, along with Bankman-Fried. U.S. Attorney Seth Shapiro said that competing claims to shares of the stock trading app could be worked out in a forfeiture proceeding. Prosecutors have accused Bankman-Fried of engaging in a years-long fraud of epic proportions. An attorney for FTX told a judge that none of the assets targeted for seizure are under the control of FTX. He said the Robinhood shares were subject to litigation, and it was an open question about who owns them. And an update on the Bankman-Fried court case, Reuters reports that an unnamed source says a former top lawyer with FTX is cooperating with prosecutors, adding pressure on founder Sam Bankman-Fried. Bankman-Fried was arrested on criminal fraud charges last month. The source says lawyer Daniel Friedberg gave details about FTX in a November meeting with two dozen investigators. The meeting included officials from the Justice Department, FBI, and the SEC, 
At the meeting, Friedberg told prosecutors what he knew of Bankman Fried's use of customer funds to finance his business empire. The source also said Friedberg has not been charged and has not been told he is under criminal investigation. Instead, he expects to be called as a government witness in Bankman Fried's October trial. NTD couldn't independently verify the claims. Just over a quarter of U.S. service members have experienced food insecurity in recent years. That's from a new report from the RAND Corporation. The report said that 25.8% of members of the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard were food insecure, and more than half of that group is made up of active duty troops. The USDA defines food insecurity as a lack of consistent access to enough food for every person in a household to live an active, healthy life. The report, released this week, says the research was requested by the Defense Department after the DOD was mandated by Congress in 2020 to report on food insecurity among service members. The report is based on data from 2016 and 2018 reports from the Pentagon over the active duty force. A New York Supreme Court judge rules that a state gun law is unconstitutional. The law allows confiscating guns from people who haven't committed a crime. It lets individuals petition a court to take firearms from a person they believe poses a threat to themselves or others. It took effect in 2019 and has led to more than 1,900 removal orders, but the judge said it violates the U.S. Constitution's Second and Fourteenth Amendments. According to the ruling, non-medical workers, such as police officers, shouldn't be authorized to determine if a person is psychologically likely to cause serious harm. He also said the law doesn't fit under the nation's tradition of regulating firearms. A person familiar with the case said the ruling has limits and doesn't strike the law down statewide. The mastermind behind the most publicized college admissions scam in recent memory will go to prison. William Rick Singer was sentenced to three and a half years by a federal judge in Boston. The scams he orchestrated got widespread media attention in 2019 because they involved famous parents like Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin. They also involved standardized test cheating and bribing university coaches and came to be known as Operation Varsity Blues. More than 50 people involved have been charged. Huffman and Laughlin were both sentenced to short prison terms of just a few days. Prosecutors asked for six years behind bars for Singer, as well as $19 million in fines. His attorneys wanted probation with home detention. He pleaded guilty to multiple charges, included racketeering, money laundering, and obstruction of justice. Looks like tennis star Novak Djokovic will have to miss some tournaments in the U.S. this year. That's due to the COVID vaccine requirement for foreign visitors. I mean, look, if it is official, then it is. I mean, what can I do? Nothing. That's it. You know my position, so it is what it is. The TSA on Wednesday said the requirement for foreign air travelers to be fully vaccinated would be in place until April 10th. That means Djokovic would miss the hardcore ATP Masters 1000 tournament in Indian Wells, California. It runs from March 6th to the 19th. He will also miss the Miami Open in March. Djokovic told reporters today that he's hoping to participate, but if he can't go, that's that. The tennis player missed the U.S. Open in August last year due to the vaccine mandate. Djokovic refuses to get the COVID vaccine. He said he would rather miss Grand Slams than get the shots. And just ahead, a former leader of NATO urges unity over the conflict between China and Taiwan. What does he want countries to do if China invades Taiwan? 
and Japan is willing to pay people to leave Tokyo. The country is dealing with overpopulation in the city and depopulation in many other parts of the country. We'll have the details when we return. Welcome back. A former leader of NATO is sending out a message about China and Taiwan. He urges member states to show China severe economic consequences if it invades Taiwan. Any attempt by China to change the status quo in Taiwan by force should spark an equally unified response. And we must make this clear to China now. The former NATO Secretary General made the remarks during a visit to Taiwan today. He drew a parallel between Russia's invasion of Ukraine and China's military aggression towards Taiwan. The Chinese Communist regime has sent Air Force missions near the island almost on a daily basis over the past three years. The former NATO head also said that democratic countries must work in unity to help Ukraine win. That's in order to deter a Chinese attack on Taiwan. Amid China's COVID spike, doctors are taken to social media to post pictures of CT scans of white lungs. What exactly is this white lung phenomenon and what are the implications? Entity's Tiffany Meyer reports on that and Beijing's response to travel restrictions. A pattern is emerging from China's sweeping COVID-19 infections and it's sparking concerns about whether the virus has mutated or whether earlier strains of COVID-19 are driving the ongoing outbreak. Chinese citizens are dubbing the phenomenon white lung. It refers to how some COVID-19 patients' lungs have turned partially white on CT scans. To clarify, it doesn't mean their lungs have turned white. The white appearance on CT scans indicates fluid and infection in the lungs. Putting the patient in a serious condition, healthy lungs should appear black on CT scans. Chinese doctors have flocked to social media, posting videos of patients who have the so-called white lung syndrome. Let's take a look at a video clip from a doctor working at a Beijing hospital. The CT scan comes from a 78-year-old male who died of COVID. Look at this patient. Both of his lungs have turned white on CT scans. This is the so-called white lung phenomenon. It's a very typical symptom of viral pneumonia. In another video, an unnamed doctor said he diagnosed 120 patients in eight hours and that about 12 percent of them had the white lung phenomenon. This is a CT scan of a 28-year-old patient. Look at the large patches of ground glass opacity in the lungs. This is a 48-year-old patient. The black parts of the lungs are healthy. The white area is appearing on both sides of the lungs. These are the lungs of a 65-year-old female, white lung, very serious infection. This is a 75-year-old senior. See the part where the lungs have turned white on the CT scans? Other doctors are also taking to social media, posting photos of their patients whose lungs have turned white on CT scans. Citizens, too, are reporting the white lung phenomenon among loved ones who have died of COVID-19. That includes a former anchor with China's state-owned broadcaster and the wife of a famous scholar. Both of their family members died of the virus. 
and parts of their lungs appeared white on CT scans. Some are questioning whether this indicates that an earlier strain of COVID-19 is driving the current outbreak. The white lung phenomenon was common when the pandemic first broke out in China. And studies show that Omicron tends to spare the lungs. Responding to the concerns, China's top health authority said white lung has nothing to do with the original COVID-19 variants and that a considerable number of patients with such inflammation can return to good health. Dell plans to stop using China-made chips by 2024. The computer maker has also told suppliers to reduce the amount of other made-in-China components in its products. The company has concerns over U.S.-Beijing tensions. It told suppliers late last year that it aims to lower, meaningfully, the amount of China-made chips it uses. That includes chips produced at facilities owned by non-Chinese chip makers. The move is the latest example of how the U.S.-China tech war is speeding up tech companies' efforts to move production away from China. Staying in China, a passenger suddenly attacked a flight attendant before takeoff. He seemed to be afraid something terrible would happen to the plane. This was on a Tuesday flight from Beijing to Shanghai. In a social media video, a male passenger is heard shouting, the plane will crash, death is coming. According to other passengers, the incident occurred when the Hainan Airlines plane was taxiing for takeoff. The man rushed from the back of the plane to the front, trying to open the cabin door. Staff and passengers then rustled him back to his seat. Despite being subdued, he reportedly kept repeating, death is coming and the plane will explode. The chaos lasted for about 40 minutes before police came to take him away. Hainan Airlines eventually canceled the flight, citing public safety concerns. A railway police officer saved a passenger's life in India last weekend. It all went down after a rider fell while departing a still-moving train. The Ministry of Railways released the harrowing footage on social media. It shows the passenger falling. He was then dragged along with his legs dangling between the moving train and the platform. It also shows the officer running to pull him clear of danger. The ministry cautioned passengers from boarding or departing moving trains. And over in Japan, the government is coming up with a new plan to deal with uneven population distribution in the country. It's planning to pay families to leave Tokyo. From April 2023, parents in Tokyo will be able to receive roughly $7,700 per child if they move to a less populated area. This is three times what is currently being offered. The money will apply to single parents and families with children under 18. The Tokyo metropolitan area has a population of around 37 million. To combat overcrowding, in 2019, the Japanese government began an initiative to attract people to regional areas with declining populations. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Still to come, a group of convicts in Russia bought their freedom by fighting in Ukraine on Russia's side. They were released by a group of Russian mercenaries who recruited them. And Belarus puts a Nobel Peace Prize winner on trial. He co-founded a human rights group and now sits in court behind bars. More shortly here on NTD News Today.
Russian leader Vladimir Putin has ordered a ceasefire in Ukraine, though a temporary one. That's to mark Orthodox Christmas from January 6th to the 7th. The Kremlin ordered Russian troops to hold fire for 36 hours from 12 o'clock on January 6th until midnight January 7th. The ceasefire covers the entire line of contact with Ukraine. Orthodox Christians in both countries celebrate Christmas this week. Putin says the decision was made at a call from the head of the Russian Orthodox Church so that believers can attend services on Christmas Eve and day. Ukraine has yet to respond, but Kyiv previously called the idea a trap. Some Russian convicts have gained freedom after fighting in Ukraine. The founder of Russia's most powerful mercenary group bid farewell to the former convicts. He urged them to avoid the temptation to break the law when they return to civilian life. The Wagner Group's founder recruited thousands of men from prisons after the war in Ukraine started. He offered them freedom in return for serving in some of the most dangerous battles in Ukraine. The Wagner Group was originally staffed by battle-hardened veterans of the Russian Armed Forces. The group also fought in Libya, Syria, the Central African Republic, and Mali. The founder of the group has been sanctioned by Western countries. The United States casts him as an oligarch and has sanctioned him for attempts to interfere in U.S. elections and for spreading Russian disinformation. Nobel Peace Prize laureate Alice Bialyatsky goes on trial in Belarus. He's facing up to 12 years in jail. His allies see it as a political retribution for his rights work. Video showed him sitting in court behind bars as proceedings took place. The 60-year-old is one of the most prominent of hundreds of Belarusians who were jailed after anti-government protests in the summer of 2020. Bialyatsky was arrested in 2021 along with two co-workers from a human rights group he co-founded. The group took a leading role in providing legal and financial assistance to hundreds of Belarusians who were jailed during the mass protests. The trio faces charges of financing protests and smuggling money. A fourth rights defender who fled Belarus is being prosecuted in absentia in the same case. Norway and Germany are boosting cooperation on renewable energy. The two NATO allies have signed joint declarations in a bid to rid Germany of its dependence on Russian gas. In Norway's capital Oslo, Prime Minister Jonas Gahr Storey met with German Economy Minister Robert Habeck. They say the declaration outlines steps for cooperation in fields of hydrogen, battery technology, and offshore wind power. The two countries are also working on a plan for the production of low-carbon hydrogen. The joint investment depends on a hydrogen pipeline that will connect Norway and Germany. Equinor and partners are currently examining the pipeline. Since Russia cut off gas supplies to Europe last year, Norway has become its largest gas supplier, with Equinor the top exporter. Scotland's publicly funded healthcare system, NHS Scotland, is under severe pressure. The country's national clinical director has urged those who are unwell to stay home from work. He says people should start with self-care and visit the NHS website for more information. Scotland's national clinical director has urged those who are sick to stay away from work to help the NHS. Speaking to the BBC, Professor Jason Leach said COVID flu and strep A are all contributing to the pressure on the health service. Stay off if you're sick. Don't go to work if you're sick. So if you have a viral infection, don't spread it to Sally. Don't, don't spread it around the office. Or if you're a bus driver, don't, don't go to work. I know that's hard. That's not the work ethic 
the UK has had for years. But viral infections are one of the big challenges we've got here. Leach said the fundamental problem is around bed blocking. Between one in eight and one in 10 of all hospital beds are occupied by someone with COVID or flu. He asked people to use the health service wisely and start with self-care. The first place you should go is the NHS website. In Scotland, that's NHS Inform. That will tell you what to do with coughs and colds and sore throats, a kid with a fever, whatever. And it will also tell you when to escalate. It'll tell you when you should go to your pharmacy, when you should phone your general practice, when you should go to accident and emergency. So use it wisely. Leach said accident and emergency departments are not the only part of the health service feeling the squeeze. He urged people to be patient with services like the NHS 24 due to high demand. The Scottish Tories said NHS Scotland is in an unprecedented crisis and the government needs to outline emergency measures. Almost 2,000 patients spent half a day or more waiting in A&E in the week running up to Christmas, the highest weekly total ever. Official figures show that in the week ending Sunday, December the 25th, just 56.9% of patients in A&E were seen and then either admitted, transferred or discharged within four hours. NHS England is also under severe pressure. Top medics have described the current situation as unbearable and intolerable. The Prime Minister and the Health Secretary face calls to address to growing concerns about the state of the emergency care. More than a dozen NHS trusts and ambulance services declared critical incidents over the festive period. Just ahead, we'll hear from the founder of a French baker's union. He's concerned that the majority of bakeries are on the brink of closure as they can't afford to pay their bills. A restaurant owner in Australia tackles the country's labor shortage by hiring older people. The extra income can help retirees supplement their pensions. Stay tuned for more on that when we return. Good to have you back with us. In France, many bakers are worried they can no longer afford to stay in business, with surging costs for electricity and baguette ingredients creating the perfect storm. The French government promised financial support, but bakers say it won't be enough after a tenfold jump in electricity bills. NTD's France correspondent David Vives spoke to the founder of a baker's union who fears many bakeries will go under in the coming months. The iconic French bread is at risk from surging energy prices. According to the French bakers' union Grand de 80% of bakers could go bankrupt in the coming months, largely due to energy costs. The founder of the union welcomed us into his father's bakery near Paris. In a bakery, what uses the most energy is the oven, an electric oven. When calculating the bakery's prospective electricity bills, Jérémy Ferrer seems hopeless. By the end of January, the energy costs will have risen from 1,148 to 4,273 euros. So in fact, that's almost four times as much. At the same time, we are operating more cost-effective. 
the bakery had to fire an employee. Use costs, Jeremy and his brother Quentin came back to help out with the business. Quentin says his wish is to continue the bakery with his brother once their father retires. But as it now stands, he doesn't see any future. I've been a pastry chef for 10 years. I've only been working for my parents for two weeks because they had to let go one of their employees due to the energy crisis, just to relieve them and try to improve their daily lives. But with the energy crisis coming up, we've caught everything into question. And I think that, like all bakers, we live from day to day and we don't know where we are heading. Jérémy's Grand de Blade Bakers Union organizes bulk purchases for other bakeries. He's heard from other bakers across France who are in an even worse situation than the father's bakery. On top of energy costs... Throughout France, because we have launched an union, we heard from artisan bakers who have seen their bill increase tenfold. I have a baker near Lyon who has seen his bill rise from 1,200 to over 10,000 euros. It's unbearable. And there are many bakers who have already closed down. So this is just the beginning. And from January onwards, it will be a real slaughter. On top of energy costs, he said the inflation has also impacted the prices of wheat, salt and other ingredients. In fact, since September, we have really noticed a surge in prices. If I take, for example, the price of salt, the price of sugar has gone up by 50%. And if you take butter, it's at least up by 60%, not to mention flour and the rest. So in fact, we are absorbing all these price hikes without passing them on to the customers in the shop. The French baguette costs around 1 euro in France, Jeremy says. He will raise this price by 10 cents this month, but this will be barely enough to cover the costs. He said he and other bakers recently met with French economy minister Bruno Le Maire. Le Maire promised more state aid to support the 35,000 bread and croissant makers. He also said bakers could delay payments of their taxes and social charges. We are going to be supported at the tune of around 20% of the total expenses. But you can imagine that when you pay four or ten times more for your bills, 20% is not enough. So this won't be enough to save us, unfortunately. Jeremy said these measures won't make any difference in the coming months, as he expects they need to close the shop for good. David Vives, NTD News, Paris. To tackle Australia's labor shortage, a restaurant owner is reaching out to older people. The extra income can help retirees supplement their pensions up to a limit. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. Life in Australia has just about returned to normal after the pandemic, but businesses are still finding it hard to find workers. The restaurant industry seems to be having a particularly difficult time. But one restaurant owner in the coastal town of Queenscliff may have found the perfect solution. I have five too many staff at the moment and I could actually open another venue to keep them all gainfully employed. So we've got two 74-year-olds, uh, a 70-year-old, and then we've got 57, 60, 64, 66, 67. This seems unlikely in the current economic climate, but his trick is actually simple and old school. The businessman simply printed and distributed 42,000 postcards in his area, calling baby boomers to re-enter the workforce. 
his job listing got the attention of many. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I have to say we've taught, taught all of our holdies new tricks. For 360Q employee Susan Burston, the dignity of work is satisfying. It makes me feel better and I love putting in, I love contributing. 360Q employee Kenton Savage appreciates the physical and psychological benefits of working. Lockdowns and other pandemic policies bankrupted Savage's business and disrupted his retirement plans. I think it just keeps me fit and healthy and happy. I have to work. The pension doesn't pay enough for us to survive. But there are still limits to how much pensioners can make. Australia's federal government has limited them to earning an extra $2,600 a year. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Forget fancy dinners, more singles are opting to have more affordable first dates. A new survey funded by a number of dating platforms asked 5,000 single people about their dating expenses. 84% of singles say to save money, they now prefer a casual first date. And 30% say they are now more open to doing free activities. The high cost of dining out and changes to dating habits during the pandemic, like walks and picnics, are driving the shift. According to a Plenty of Fish survey of more than 8,000 users, nearly half of millennial and Gen Z singles have suggested going on less expensive, more budget-friendly dates. And in Japan, the country's biggest fish market began the new year with its annual New Year tuna auction. A bluefin tuna was sold today for over $270,000. The tuna was over 460 pounds. It was auctioned at Tokyo's Toyosu market early this morning. The highest bidder was a high-end sushi restaurant based in Tokyo. The restaurant was also the highest bidder in 2022 and 2021. This year's price was more than double last year's highest bid. Local media reported that the tuna had been caught in the waters off northern Japan. The COVID-19 pandemic saw a slump in demand for tuna, and tuna prices had also dropped. Still to come, at a tech show in Vegas, companies compete to offer the coolest new TVs. We'll bring you the details on a wireless 4K display, a swiveling wall mount, an 8K screen, and more. And it's not just TVs, car makers are also showcasing their latest innovations, including a color-changing car. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News. A new year means new tech, and the CES Tech Show in Las Vegas is giving consumers an opportunity to see the latest products. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on one of LG's new TVs. CES 2023 is underway, and LG is one of many of the companies excited to display its latest products. TV cables and wires can make your living room look like a mess. LG Electronics may have a solution. The South Korean company's huge 97-inch OLED M-Series TV was unveiled at CES on Wednesday. It uses LG's Zero Connect technology to transmit 4K video to the giant TV wirelessly. Frank Lee works in LG's home entertainment and brand communication division. He described the technology. It's the world's first consumer TV to offer 4K, 120 hertz, video and audio transmitted wirelessly through the Zero Connect box. This box houses all the circuitry so it can send the audio and picture signals right to the television. 
The South Korean company also showed off an OLED Flex TV designed specifically for gamers. At 42 inches, it's perfect for the desktop with its 40-watt surround sound Dolby speakers. Plus, you can resize that screen from 42 to 32 to 27 inches. CES 2023 opened to the public on January 5th in Las Vegas and runs through January 8th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Not to be outdone at CES, Samsung says 8K televisions are the future of home entertainment. Here's more on the South Korean company's latest TVs. All the latest Samsung TVs are on display at the CES Tech Show in Las Vegas. The show runs from January 5th through the 8th. The company's products range from mainstream to high-end. This year we're focusing heavily on customization and connectivity. We have TVs that can be used anywhere a consumer is watching TV, from outside for a freestyle like this to sitting at home and watching one of these beautiful screens. Samsung has announced its latest 8K TVs. Its Quantum Matrix Technology Ultimate delivers 4,000 nit brightness with 14-bit contrast. The future is 8K and the future is here with Samsung. We are so proud of our Neo QLED 8K TVs. Everything you're watching is upscaled in 8K and it gives you the best picture quality and viewing experience, just like a movie theater at home. But industry experts question whether these screens really are the future of TV. There's lots of futures. Uh, I think 8K is a technology that so far has maybe been a bit on the niche side in the super ultra premium part of the market. That's largely because it's expensive. There aren't a lot of products out there and it's competing against a lot of other very premium display technologies. Samsung has also developed a new rotating wall mount specifically aimed at a young market. It can be fitted to any of its latest TVs so the screen can flip vertically. So when we look at Generation Z, they're on TikTok, they're online, they're constantly connected. We created lifestyle TVs to reflect their lifestyle. So the Samsung Cero TV actually rotates from being more horizontal to vertical, so it mimics how a phone screen looks. But it could be difficult for consumers to actually get their hands on these new products. Chinese manufacturing shrunk for a third consecutive month in December. CES 2023 in Las Vegas is featuring so many new products, it's hard to keep track of them all. Here's the latest from the car world. A new electric vehicle could soon hit the road. Sony unveiled a prototype with Honda at the CES 2023 technology trade show in Las Vegas. The Japanese company says it's looking to become a player in next generation cars. It's calling the car the Afila. Following this prototype, we will further proceed with the development towards mass production, anticipating to start taking pre-orders in the first half of 2025 and start sales within the same year. Sony's long-awaited push into EVs shows how manufacturers are increasingly focused on the cockpit experience in cars. Some are looking to sell content via subscription services, especially as autonomous driving capabilities improve. And of course, we also intend to provide best-in-class entertainment for our customers, in addition to movies, games, and music. We envision a new in-cabin experience using our expertise of UX and UI technologies. 
The venture between Sony and Honda aims to deliver its first EVs by early 2026 in North America. BMW also wowed CES on Wednesday night as it unveiled its brand new color-changing car. Well, dear friends, meet D. But please don't call her just a car. You will hurt her feelings. She likes to think herself as a promise, a commitment, or even better, a companion. The BMW iVision D is a mid-sized sedan with a futuristic-looking, pared-down design. The car maker's color change technology first made waves last year, but the car can now turn into 32 colors, not just black and white. Arnold Schwarzenegger helped present the new vehicle. He praised BMW for its innovation. The bottom line is technology can solve all of the biggest problems. It can change the world. And like you've just seen, it can be really, really fun. That is for sure. So I'm so excited to be part of this whole project and part of BMW and promoting this whole thing. CES 2023 continues through January 8th. You may or may not enjoy traveling by bus, but we have the story of a bus that you'll probably love because it's not for people, it's for pups. Good morning, Bama. It definitely isn't a Greyhound bus, but there are hounds in it. Good morning, Jake. Nothing but dogs jumping into their assigned seats, attached to leashes rather than seat belts, picking up waiting passengers with wagging tails. Good morning, Amaru. Would you like a complimentary liver with your bus ride? Nobody said no. Jake. Dasher. Gumbo. This bus is better than an airline. Excuse you, you already had yours. The doggy bus Load up. is operated by Mo Mountain Mutts in tiny Skagway, Alaska. It's a husband and wife team offering dog training and dog walking. Yarrow, notice are tangled. The bus offers the potential for entanglements, but when we watch them disembark, Oh, sure, some of the passengers are rule breakers. Excuse me, ma'am, your tail is in the aisle. Ma'am, you're going to have to adjust your butt. Thank but you there's much. one seat that's off limits. Who's honking the horn? Bama! Bama's ready to trade her dog license for a driver's license. Excuse me, ma'am, you're not driving. Get out of my seat. Off. Hello, everyone. That's all for today's program. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News.